everybody as usual it's your boy jesse mccoy i'm joined by the world's leading legal humorist sean carter and a special special guest straight from msnbc you might have seen him on table on on tv on cable news networks we have ellie mistle how you doing man i'm great but we should say above the law because they're the ones that actually pay me oh above the law (laughs) abl all day ATL. Um, by the way, this is going to be a new trend. Next week, we got on Idris Elba. Um, we got on <laughs> Washington the week after. Um, the Rock is on three weeks. We, 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 we were trying to make TV up a little bit. Yeah, but even right. if we do take the Rock, he won't have Ellie's Afro. Yeah, test your, <laughs> test your format with the ugly people. That's great. That's. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, they let you on TV. That's good. Um, that's a good sign. Um, by the way, Ellie, personal challenge and, and thing, because, you know, we have to have at some point an Afro off. My, 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 coming back. Um, my sister tells me we got too much Indian in our family, but I don't believe her. She lies. I think I can get the Afro. I mean, look, I, I'm a quarter Chinese, so that's, that, that's, Helping the gray, actually, I believe. That's why. Are you really? My full name is Ellie Yang Mistal. My, uh, grand, my maternal grandfather's from Beijing. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Dude, I can't now, now, now back to the, to, to the, to the paternal, um, grandfather land? That's maternal, uh, so my paternal, so here's what I like to say, right? So, my kids, right? So, my wife is from Zimbabwe, but she's also, has lots of things going on, right? So my yeah. kids are two uh, eighths uh, uh, Haitian, right? One eighth free slave, uh, one uh, sorry, two eighths Haitian, two eighths free, free slave, um, two eighths uh, uh, Zimbabwean, um, a quarter Chinese, a quarter Scottish, and a quarter Indian. Mm. And mm. They are now. Now, when when the cop sees him. My kid is black, right. and, and, and it makes all the difference in their lives. So I, I love multiculturalism. I love kind of embracing all the different kinds of people we are, and all the different threads and, and strands that we have in our families. But the re- the reason why it gets reduced to black white is because that's what the cop sees. And my kid's experience versus an Indian kid's experience versus a Chinese kid's experience versus a Jewish kid's experience, right? That's all it is. And so when we talk about police brutality and the disastrous effects 
that it has on your our communities. Like, this is why. Because law enforcement is the first and most obvious danger in terms of treating us differently based on the color of our skin. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, now, now, Ellie, did you come up with one of those Tiger Woods, Haitian Belasian thing? Um, do you have one of those? No, 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 no. My, 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 be, uh, put like that. That little screed that I just gave you, uh, that was not mine originally, right? That was my, <laughs> my, my, like, the, my mom, my parents did not let me walk out the house thinking I was anything other than black. <laughs> that, that is, that's, that's a little dangerous to walk out thinking, yeah, exactly, you're, 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 you're Haitian Belasian, right? I, I grant you that. <laughs> um, f- fair enough. It's actually a very, very interesting background here. Now, we brought on Ellie because he is, um, the most connected, um, and the actually the only political pundit within our budget. And, <laughs> but, 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 you know, I, I talked to Ellie about this personally because, you know, you got to spend a lot of time on MSNBC rubbing elbows with all of the punditry. And so you've got to explain, um, black punditry to the rest of us. And the question that, you know, I, I think a lot of us have, you know, before we get into the, the debate from, from last week, we've got to sort of talk about Biden and, um, what gives, how, how is Biden so popular? Um, among black people. Please explain. <laughs> I mean, because like every other community, there are black people who are old. <laughs> and, and once you get to a certain age, I mean, like one of the one of the things, and and I will not, I will not release the name of the family member who put it to me this way, but it it was a family member, um, who made the very good point that you get to a certain age as an African American in this society. And you realize that all white people are racist, right? They, they just all are racist at some basic level. Okay. And so the thing that Biden has going for him is that Biden is the racist that black people know. <laughs> I don't know you, Pete Buttigieg. I don't know you, Beto O'Rourke. Y'all's is probably racist because you all are racist. Right, okay. Biden is the racist that we have kind of been there and done that with. We know where the contours of his racism, and I think especially for an older generation, I don't want to say that it's comfortable, but it is familiar. And familiarity in this in this case um breeds votes, right? Whereas I think younger African Americans are still in that mode of like Maybe we can find a white person who's not racist. Maybe we can find a, non, a non-white person. There are so many possibilities, right? And right. I think that, that's because, you know, life hasn't beaten younger black people down yet quite as much, right? So we still have hope. But once you lose a certain level of hope, Biden seems like, you know, again, like, like, like a familiar face. And I think that's his hold on the older uh, African-American community. Whether okay. he can keep it is a whole different I mean, it's so early. But oh, so oh, it's a whole different thing. I know, but I'm not sure how to get it out of them. And my mom's a great example of this. Um, you know, she's, you know, originally like, oh, Biden's running great. And no matter what new information you give her, my mother is, is 70 uh, years old, and I have never been able to convince her in the last 50 years to try meat that was anything but well done. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Now, you know, this is a woman who, who loves me and, and would take my advice on some things, but she was not going to get the bloody meat. So, but let me ask you this, Sean. So she's 70 some years old. So when she was 60, 59, which uh-huh. was an early adopter of Barack Obama 
or was she on the Hillary Clinton train? I'm pretty sure she was a late adopter. And, you know, basically Obama had to sort of prove himself and get his white cred in Iowa. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I think that that is what a lot of the other candidates still have to do. I think uh, think if you look at uh, Kamala Harris, like she is putting in the work in the African-American community, um, especially in, you know, California and South Carolina. Um, and she is trying to introduce herself to black people. Okay. Cory Booker is trying to introduce himself to black people, and they still have time to do that. So, so, so I think the Obama example is one that I think that these younger, um, certainly candidates of color, but also younger white candidates have to really think about because it is a long-term process of convincing kind of older, uh, uh, African Americans um, and black people that you are you are going to be good for them that you get them that you understand their community um, and that just takes time. You know, we're, well, we're, you're, you're, you're right. He got that, some trust issues, right? And, and rightfully so. Right, rightfully so. Now, you know, speaking of that, I think a lot of us um, like Elizabeth Warren's policies, right? She seems to be the person. I, what I like about Elizabeth Warren is she actually seemed to be the person who wanted to run for president because she had ideas of things she wanted to get done. Yep. Not just ideas, she had plans. Who's just like, you know what? I'm white enough. I think I could do this, right? Like I was born for this. I'm a white man. This is good enough for me. I'll think about mm-hmm. ideas later. And and so I like it about Elizabeth Warren, but I, I I don't see my mother ever coming around to to her and um and or medium rare. Yeah, I look. I, I, Warren Warren is do, like Harris. Warren is doing a lot of work in the African American yeah. community. She's doing a lot of attempts at outreach, and her policies um, are very strong. I think for African American um, issues, so I think she's doing all the right things. Whether she can overcome that trust barrier um, is another thing. But one of the things that's really interesting about Warren is that she does so much better um, with college educated people. Across all races, right? Okay. So like, you've got the, you've got, that's why so interesting, right? You've got age issues going around, you've got race and gender issues, but you also are starting to have this real split, uh, between college educated, um, Democrats who are increasingly leaning towards Warren, um, versus kind of, uh, only high school educated Democrats who are progressive and leaning tor- towards Bernie Sanders or not progressive and leaning towards Joe Biden. Um, so I think they're all, <laughs> It's a weird thing where they're not actually competing. Those three are not really competing for the same pool of voters. Um, it's still an open question of which group is going to turn out more of those vote, more of their voters in these early states. Okay. Because this right. thing, so much of this is going to be about momentum. You already brought it up. Obama was was in trouble with black people until white until people I gave him. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. And what here's the thing that's amazing about that though is that literally changed in a night. Sorry, I don't. Like you went from having a minority of, of, of black support to all of the black support in one night. Yep, pretty much. Pretty much. You know, by, by South Carolina, two weeks later, every black person, people, black, black people didn't even live in South Carolina. North Carolina people were sneaking over, right, to vote. In the <laughs> you can't prove that. <laughs> <laughs> I know you. I know you vote two, three times. But I know you. No, but you you know what it is? You know what it is? I think that we want to believe that somebody is viable, but we've kind of been beaten down because you see all these presidents before Barack Obama. And and we we hear the stories of 
uh, Jesse Jackson and all these people who've made attempts but didn't get close. Mm -hmm. And so it was one of those things where Iowa showed that maybe white people aren't as racist as we thought they were. Maybe there are some white people out here who are looking to go in a different direction, or maybe the country has just gotten so bad that they are desperate and they want to do something radical. But the fact that these people are willing to support somebody who looks like us, we naturally impose all of the, the ideals of black America into this one person. And I think what we're starting to realize, particularly with Kamala Harris, I think now we're starting to have standards that we didn't impose on Barack Obama before. So now we're going to judge records a lot harsher because just because you're black doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to do everything that the black community is going to want. from. I think that's I think that's true. I think that's that's a success story, though, of Barack Obama. Right. Like now that we've had the first now now we can now we can move on from uh, breaking ceilings um, and move on to real issues. However, there is still a ceiling to break. Right. And that ceiling um, is the fact that we still are kind of at this point almost alone in the modern world, in the modern industrialized world for not having a woman leader. Right. And so Kamala, unfortunately, not only has to deal with, I mean, that's the second strike, right? She not right. Only has to deal with the fact mm. that she's of color, but she also has to deal with being a woman. And there are people in this country and we saw with Hillary, and I think we see with Warren and we see with, with Harris, um, who are just unwilling to vote for a woman and will make up any goddamn excuse they can absolutely how to not vote for a woman, right? So, like, you know, put like this. I have, you know, look, criminal justice reform is one of my key issues in this election. It's one of the key issues of my work. It's one of the key issues of my study. I care about mm -hmm. it. And so, of course, I care about her prosecutorial record, both as a prosecutor and as a, a, a G, right? It, it bothers me, right? <laughs> However, so much of that crap against her is coming not from people who have my knowledge of the criminal justice system. Right. Not from people who have my kind of working understanding of what she did versus what she didn't do versus what she could have done. It's coming from a whole different kind of segment of people who don't like the fact that she's a woman, don't like the fact that, you know, some other issues with her, you know, uh, uh, you know, black woman, but mixed race, but married to a white guy, the people who have a problem with that, and they are resurfacing this, this, they are surfacing this Kamala, Kamala the cop crap, um, cop shield, um, for some other, some other really problematic shit, right? Uh, right. And, and that, that muddles, I think, the, the actual legitimate discussion about her record. So, she's got a lot to overcome. I, I happen to think that she can do it. I mean, she's, she's, she's super smart. She's eloquent. She has plans. I mean, Warren, Warren gets the gold star for, for, for having a plan, but like, Kamala ain't no slouch, right? Like, some right. plans are deep and detailed. And I, I argue more so than Warren even, particularly kind of attenuated to the powers of a president, right? Most mm -hmm. of Warren's plans um, the Democrats to win back the Senate. Right? <laughs> and let's be clear, not only win back the Senate, but actually vote like Democrats if they do. Right. Win back the <laughs> and the filibuster, like, Warren needs a lot to go her way. Right. Some of this stuff. Some of, and, and so does Harris, but Harris has some plans that are, are really just like, I mean, she says, she says it with gun control, right? Like, if Congress does not take action, I will. So, <laughs> 
So she's got a lot going for her. I think she can overcome some of these uh, these issues, but it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for all of them. And I think where Biden kind of comes in is that, again, thinking about this only from the perspective of, of black people and how um, important and desperate we are to get rid of the racist man um, in the White House. Um, there is there is that aspect of of old Uncle Joe that just seems easier, man. Right? Like you just you don't have to fight so hard. You don't have to right. Commit, right? He can just float on in, just like the white man of the past, and just <laughs> Trump. Right? Um, again, for for older people, I think especially there is there is comfort in that, and that's a big reason why he's still in the lead. But well, let me, I, let me ask you this: do do you do you think that? Joe Biden is really going to present a a challenge to Donald Trump because I'm maybe I'm just a pessimist now, but I've seen Donald Trump come to North Carolina and take pretty much. I don't know where these people came from, but go out into a field in Greenville and fill it up with people who are just adamant about supporting him, regardless of the fact that he has no policy to present to them and no results. Yeah, no, I think Joe Biden gets his ass kicked by Trump. <laughs> I don't think it's close. Like, I, well, well, here's a question. The reason why I am so against Biden kind of publicly and privately is not because I think Joe Biden's a bad man. It's because I think he's a loser. I think he get. I think he <laughs> because he will make this about the Trump voter. Guess what? Trump's going to win because Trump right. has already proven that he is a better candidate for the Trump voter than anybody else. Well, well, and here's thing that's amazing is, you know, we always like to pretend like Trump hasn't met his promises. Shit, I wish Obama was that not effective. Yep. They're going to get a damn wall. They're gonna, they, mm-hmm. they got all the Supreme Court justices they want. They got all the lower court justices they didn't even know they could get, right? They, they, <laughs> they, they, they got the tax cut. What didn't they get? Trump, Trump's fundamental promise was, I will be racist, right? I mean, that was his <laughs> fundamental promise was, I will make life terrible for the black and brown people you think are responsible for your problems. There you go. Also said that he will solve their problems, but that was actually a secondary, that was a throwaway. The key thing that he promised was that he would make people like me, people who are who people who are who are brown and coming into this country women he would make them afraid and he has accomplished that in spades and they all see it and they all know it so i don't want to hear i'm totally with you sean i don't want to hear shit about how trump hasn't kept his promise right every promise that is important to his voters and that is Mm. why if we make this about his voters he wins and Biden loses. Let me let me ask you this, because one of the things that was surprising, maybe not surprising, but, you know, disconcerting or whatever, was the amount of Latino voters that Trump got. And I totally got the idea of someone who's here for a couple of generations. They think, hey, I'm not going to be, you know, pulled out by ice. I've got my papers. I keep money in my, in my, you know, in my wallet. I'm good. But the the, the shooting in El Paso should have been a red flag because now that shooter wasn't looking for papers. Mm. He's just looking for brown people. And you could be here 40 generations. That was still your ass. And I'm wondering if that's going to have any effect where those Latinos who thought they were safe are going to go, wait a minute, I'm not safe at all from, you know, the next shooter. I was not surprised that Trump did as well with Latinos in 2016 as he did. Because I understand, and I'm sure you guys do too, that the Latino com- community is not a monolith, and it's more not a monolith than even the black community. Way more. Mm-hmm. 
because while we, we call Latinos are actually people from like 15 fucking different countries, <laughs> their own fucking different issues, who, who generally come here hating the person just across the border, by the way. Right. right. It's not like Mexicans love Hondurans, right? It's not right. like they think they're the same people, right? White people think they're the same people. Mexicans and Hondurans don't think that they're different people, right? So when you promise to be racist to Latinos, it is possible as a Latino to think in that old kind of like rap song way, well, he ain't talking about me, right? Thank you. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> To the window, to the wall. Yeah, he's not he's not skeet skeeting on me. And you know it's wild. If you mention to a woman that the song is disgusting and misogynistic, they all give you the same answer. He ain't talking about me. Smack with a dick. Smack with a dick. Smack with a dick. Smack with a dick. I put a dick in the air. Dick in the air. He said your name. No, he didn't. Smack with a dick. Smack with a dick. You're so, so right. But the, th- but the thing that's interesting is also, you know, Latino, by the way, isn't, isn't a race either, right? So you've got, in Mexico, you've got white Mexicans, right? You know, very, very brown ones, very lighter ones, whatever. And so I totally get how they're not a monolith. But if you are, you know, a good shade of brown, um, the, the next shooter doesn't really care. Right, and so I, so like I said, I, I wasn't surprised that he did as well as he did in 2016 with them. Um, which, by the way, Latinos still voted against Trump by 66 percent. Like, it, good point. Good point. It's not like it was close. It's not like Latinos were white women. All right, so like, let's be fair. But, but I would be surprised if he does as well with them in 2020. Um, because of the mass violence, because of the cages, because, because Trump has made it so obvious that right. he does not care if you're a new immigrant, an illegal immigrant, a legal immigrant, a second generation, just brown looking person. He doesn't give a fuck. He will, he will separate you from your family. He will ask for your papers. He will sick his white supremacist dogs on you. And I've got to think that that's another like, 10% of like okay. who who voted for him before and won't vote for him this time. So again when 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 the Bidens and the and the and the centrists running for president for on the democratic side talk about flipping Trump voters. No, no. They're not <laughs> white Trump voters. You could flip, you know, a, a a number of Latino Trump voters and if that gets you Arizona, if that puts Texas in play, um, we should absolutely do that, but again, you're not going to do that by just playing to the white rural Wisconsinite. Now, my my question is, what do we do to saturate the white female vote? What What do you mean? Like, if if the white we thought in uh, the last presidential election that when all of this stuff came out, the Access Hollywood tapes, um, Stormy Daniels, when all this stuff came out, that this was already going to be. White women saying, you know what, I, I could never support him. And right. we were vastly incorrect. Right? right. So I'm wondering now what what can be done to saturate that vote? What is going to change white women's minds about whether or not Donald Trump is a viable president? Oh, that's simple. Yeah. That, that's simple. Ellie's going to take one for the team. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I see his fans on his page and all of the quote unquote sapiosexuals. Ah, we love <laughs> big brain and big afro, and, and Ellie, you gonna have to take one for the team. That, that's or or, or, or several. 
for the team. Uh, but I think you could you could swing the white women vote to forty seven uh, fifty three on our end. That's what my 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 guess. Look, the white women vote is going to split, right? It's going to be about fifty fifty. And right. <laughs> Look, it's a diff- it's a big difference if it's 52 48 50 50 versus 49 40 like those are those are not unimportant numbers depending on the state that you're looking at. But in general, no, about half of white women have made the decision that they are going to support their whiteness over their gender because their whiteness is what works for them and what they can count on. And about right. half of women of white women will reject that. And that's the half that I hang out with. But like, there's no, there's no coming back for the other half, right? The other half that's already sold out their gender for their race, um, they're not coming back over the side. They're invested too much with it. And I will defend the 52% of white women this far. And this is a really limited defense, but I will make it. Part of what's happened to them is sexism, right? Like their economic opportunities have been curtailed. Their social opportunities have been curtailed. They have been told almost their entire life that their worth is wrapped up into their husbands and mm-hmm. their ability to bear children, some of who might be white males themselves. Okay. And so if they see that their um, their kind of social and economic progress is inextricably tied to the social and economic progress of the white men in their lives, it is not entirely surprising that they choose whiteness over their gender. In fact, you can argue that that's a relatively rational decision for them to make. Right. If we want to really break into that, if we want to, uh, if we want to free these women, and I know saying it that way, especially on a, on a podcast that's all men, there's a little bit of condescension here that I'm trying to avoid, right? But, it, but right. if we want to free these women, what we have to do is put in the place in place the policies that are that will stop sexism and ameliorate sexism even over their objection right so perhaps not them but their daughters will not feel so circumscribed and will not feel so tied to the success of the white male patriarchy and might then be freed to vote their own interests as opposed to their husbands or their son's interests. But that's a generational project, right? Like, in terms of, like, 2020, half of them are going to vote for the white guy. That, that's just that's just how it's going to be. And if mm. we make our election about flipping white women, no, no. we kind of made 2016 about, we will lose again. Now, let's talk about this, because we, we, I think we're all agreement that the number one thing the Dems need to do is to get my ashy black ass to the polls, right? To right. get more- <laughs> You get black and white schools, and basically, you know, we've done the numbers, a 7% difference in turnout would have flipped Florida, um, Michigan, and, um, and, and what was the other state? Um, Pennsylvania. There you go, Pennsylvania. And, and here's my level. Even if you didn't believe in that, because I understand there's something magical about white votes, but white votes are also, like, the votes they're trying to get are just logistically so hard to get. See, the good thing about in Pennsylvania black people is that you can find them all on the same bus line or two <laughs> right. between Pittsburgh and, and Philadelphia. I right. actually have to be just by coincidence in the middle of the state now in Lancaster. Um, I'm not going to see another brother uh, at any point in time. And <laughs> the point about that is you like, look, I know you look. Oh, please. I, I, you know, I, I play Blackie Mongo all the time. Blackie Mongo. <laughs> But here's the thing about it. It's so funny. It's like if I were just doing it from a from from a strategic standpoint, 
Why wouldn't I go for the people who are clustered together, who I can find very easily, right? Why would I be trying to go to individual farmhouses to find the one racist, non-racist white guy? It just seems logistically a dumb strategy. It, it is. It is. It's dumb. It's stupid. It's why we lose things. There's no, there's no argument. To me, there's no argument for it. You, you, you have a choice. You fundamentally, you need to flip 80,000 votes across three states, right? You need to get 80,000 more votes in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, right? There are two ways of going about getting those 80,000 more votes. One is to convince people who already voted for Trump <laughs> to now vote for your guy, right? Right. That's, that's door number one. Door number two is to convince people who already voted for Obama didn't Thank vote you. at all in 2016. Right. Come on back. Which one do you think is easier? There's no fucking argument that that getting the Obama to not voting at all voter is an easier sell than getting the Obama to Trump voter to the extent those motherfuckers exist or the first time Trump voter, right? There's well, but he thinks you and I, you, me, Jesse, uh, we would agree with that, but you're on MSNBC and Steve Kornacki every day is telling me that nope, the key is Billy Joe Bob Mickey D. I mean, he's, I, you know, it's because of what people say in their polls, right? Like we have, so, so there are two things about polling, right? One, one is that we have to remember the poll, we all know the polling was terrible, the polling was wrong. Ah, the polling was bad in certain places, that's for sure. But give 538 credit. The week before the election, they said that there was a 30% chance that Trump would win. You know, right. went nuts, right? But right. Silver was like, there's a 30% chance that Trump will win, which means it's unlikely that he will. But <laughs> there is, you know, there is now a puncher's chance that this motherfucker right. pulled off. He said that a week before the election, right? So, so when when you look at polls, you all you have to look at the quality of polling. Who they're talking to? Is it a phone poll? Is it a landline poll? Uh, is it registered voters um, or former voters? Like there are all these different factors. When you when you kind of reduce it all, it kind of says like, oh, we got to get these white people in Wisconsin, right? If you <laughs> have to actually like break down those numbers a little bit further, um, do better polling to really get at this kind of. Think about it this way: we're talking about people who voted in 2012 and didn't vote at all in 2016. That probably means they didn't vote at all in 2014. That They didn't vote in 2018, although we're still trying to figure that out. So we're talking about people who are relatively politically unconnected in the first place. Absolutely. Trying to count relatively politically unconnected and apathetic people in your polling is difficult. Um, so I don't, so that's actually, it didn't sound like it. That was actually a defense of Steve Kornacki. Like, what <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to do is hard. And he's doing, I think, his best with the numbers that he has available. I just think that his numbers do not tell the whole story. And when I have an opportunity, that's what I say about it, right? Is, is there a margin of error calculated for Russian interference? Well, right? Right? Because... <laughs> Because it's only Cory Booker in the last debate who said we lost Michigan because of voter suppression. We lost, right? right? Like the like all of these arguments for who the voters are and what they're looking for, and doesn't fucking matter if Russia hacks 
It doesn't actually matter. A black person in Georgia, uh, it doesn't matter if Georgia's in play by the polling, if when you're black in Georgia and you show up to vote, they tell you no. So the, the, and I think this is again a, a problem with the Democratic Party right now. We're so focused on like, will healthcare go too far left? And not focus enough on who are we putting on the ground in these states with guns? Right. <laughs> the voting right. rights of our people. Like that right. should actually be the goddamn conversation. Well, no, and, and, but that's the thing that kind of blew my mind in 2012. I thought up to that day, I'm like, oh my, Obama's gonna lose this. They're gonna steal this election. And, uh, and, and, uh, black people, and, and remember you had, you know, Republicans saying, hey, we're gonna go to these particular, uh, polling places and we're going to, you know, challenge all the black votes. And they realized that, uh, no, they're not. Yeah. Because, right. because if you're a white person listening, I encourage you, if you're a conservative, please go to Compton. <laughs> I remember in 2012 um, in Arizona, I remember seeing on the news this just lot, this ridiculously anti-democratic voter suppression line because they had, you know, one polling place open for like all the black people in Arizona. Right. But what you saw in 2012 was basically all the black people in Arizona standing in that fucking line. Absolutely. Basically being like, you know, my ancestors fucking sacrificed so I could be in this line. God damn it. Um, they were having a good time doing electric slide. They were enjoying themselves right. in that line. They had water. They had preachers. They were ready for it, right? Absolutely. Hillary Clinton, for all of her strengths, did not inspire that kind of commitment. Um, and we can talk about why, and we can talk about whether or not it's her fault or whatever. But but for whatever series of reasons, Hillary Clinton did not inspire that kind of commitment in the black community. To beat Trump, we are going to need a candidate who inspires that kind of commitment, who inspires that kind of, I do not care what you do to try Thank to take you. away right. my vote. I am voting today. There you go. <laughs> like, that's what we need. And again, to go back to Biden, again, the reason why I'm critical of Biden is that there is nothing about Joe Biden that I see that inspires that. Right. Mm. There's 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 shit that I see in Pete Buttigieg that inspires that. <laughs> well, what about the fact that he, you know, he used to be Obama's ride or die. He was he was his wingman. Can he wear Obama's aftershave? Bill Clinton was pretty fucking popular in the black community, too. And people did not ride or die for his wife. But that's because she can't play the saxophone. Obama's really popular, but that doesn't mean we're going to ride or die for his white friend. Like, that's important. You have to have more than than I'm. I was buddies with a guy that you like, you know. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like I bought Tito Jackson's records, all right. <laughs> he was fine, but he was fucking Tito. Everybody <laughs> used that one on MSNBC. That, that's the best one I've heard you say. <laughs> that's by his part. No Tito. All right, let's get to the debates of the ones we've been doing this all night long. Those of you who, who you know, hear this later or whatever, last week, the last week of July, uh, we had two of the, um, what we call the, you know, sort of the, the round of 64. Right, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but the first, the, the, the round of 20, we had one debate with 10 candidates the first night. The second night we had the, the second ten. Um, we had some some fireworks early. And, and who 
we should start with. Um, I guess maybe we'll start with because it, it was that night. Um, Let's wow. Night was, go ahead. Let's do the white night first. Alrighty. <laughs> and by white night, it means everybody was, was, was white. Um, and that's gonna, actually, we only, we, one clip here, but it was a, the clip of, of, of the night. And this is Elizabeth Warren, uh, speaking to John Delaney. Uh, John Delaney set it up, centrist, it has, you know, sensible plans. He's not gonna, in, you know, basically propose something that would be fattening or inconvenient or cost you money. Um, and he, he convinced that if you just offer people nothing, they will flock to it. And Here, he looks like Ron Howard. There's a debate. I, I, there's some people say Cliff Howard. People said <laughs> Howdy Doody. It's a lot of, lot, 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 lot of things. <laughs> But here is the exchange with, with, with E-Dub or Elizabeth Warren. Get him, Elizabeth. Creating jobs, improving their pay. Thank you, Congressman. Creating universal health care. Lowering drug prices. Senator we Warren. Can do it. You know, I don't understand why anybody goes to all the trouble of running for president of the United States just to talk about what we really can't do and shouldn't fight for. I don't care. Thank you for playing. Good night. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren. Ethered John Delaney's <laughs> soul. Right. I've seen a couple memes. A couple people did uh, some Mortal Kombat fatalities. <laughs> that was that was brilliant. Um, and it's why she's brilliant. And it's also like, and you you were doing this in pre in pre production, but like when you play the whole clip, what you also have her saying right before that is this amazingly beautiful and important argument. No, no, let me go to it. We still have it. Let me, let me, let me play, let me play the first part, the, the amazingly beautiful part. I get it. There is a lot at stake and people are scared. But we can't choose a candidate we don't believe in just because we're too scared to do anything else. And we can't ask other people to vote for a candidate we don't believe in. Democrats win when we figure out what is right and we get out there and fight for it. I am not afraid. And for Democrats to win, you can't be afraid either. That is Morpheus in Zion screaming, I am not afraid to, to the people, right? Like that, that is what Democrats need to be. And the reason why John Delaney got ether is because he came back to that with some weak sauce bullshit about what we can't do. And that's why Elizabeth Warren took his soul. She wasn't out there to catch a body. He walked into that, right? So, so one of the reasons why Warren, I think, inspires, at least on the progressive left, like such, I think, donations, first of all, <laughs> and real excitement, it's not just because she's smarter and, you know, uh, as a Harvard, you know, Harvard law student, smarter is is not something I give up easy, right? Like she, right. she is just a smarter person. Um, right. Not just because she's smarter, and it's not just because she has all of these great policy plans. It's because she fights. It's because she is willing to stand up there and sound like a Democrat and say the things that need to be said and call a thing a thing. Like, all of these qualities are, I think, immensely important wrapped in, you know, dissolved in the, 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 the system with which you have these amazingly kind of progressive and aggressive policy programs. So, you know, that's, that's why she's, that's why she's doing well. 
She's earned it. She's earning it. No, no, she, 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 she definitely earned it. You know, part of me and I've been getting, you know, a, a little uh, more, would be word for it, urban uh, in, in my old age. Because I heard her say, uh, I ain't scared. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that the, the, the sisters probably wouldn't like her appropriating the culture and, and using that term. Um, but, but I would have voted for it twice had she, had she said it. Um, and, and, and generally speaking, I, I couldn't agree with more with you, what you said, Ellie. You know, I am so sick of Democrats running under the idea that says, if we don't cater to the people who don't like us and won't vote for us anyway, we're going to lose. Absolutely. Absolutely. She says the opposite. And again, and she's got the policy programs to back it up. I mean, Warren does very well amongst college educated people. White, black, Latino, Martian, whatever. If you've gone to enough school, you like her more. And the reason why, I think, is that because the more educated you are, the more able you are able to understand the true elegance of her. Right. Right? Like, it, it, as a, certainly with people with legal knowledge, and I'll, you know, full disclosure, I went to Harvard Law School. I didn't have Warren because I was scared of her fucking class. Um, it, <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want that. Um, I took the easier uh, section uh, for tax law, but you know, having a having that level of education, when you then read a, read her, uh, for instance, her plan uh, to basically ban private equity, it's not a plan. She doesn't say I'm going to ban private equity. She doesn't say these. She, she instead she does a very subtle legal shift about the burden of the debt, right? She decides the burden of the debt that used to be on the companies that the private equity acquires and puts it on private equity. And it takes Mm. a second for you to be like, oh, shit, she's banning private equity. Like, like you have to be at a certain level of education to understand, A, what private equity is, B, why Mm. private equity is bad, C, why her plan fucks private equity up the ass, <laughs> why that would be better for everybody, right? And so when you when you have that ability, it's just it's just brilliant. But then she's able to explain her plans in relatively like simple. She's not a she's not a Barack Obama rhetorician, right? Right. Um, she explains her plans in very simple, down home, homespun uh, 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 terms um, that I feel like people can kind of get around, get their minds around. Um, but it's one of those things where, like, uh, you know, one of my favorite quotes is. Some people are like mountains. The closer you get to them, the more majestic they are. And, mm, and okay. that's what Warren's like. She's like a fucking mountain. The closer you, the more you see of her, the more impressed you are by like the whole fucking superstructure. You know, I'm going to tell Elizabeth Warren, if you're listening, uh, you might want to get a restraining order against Ellie. Well, I was just going to add this. I mean, I think there's another reason why college educated people and highly educated people like Elizabeth Warren. And uh, that's because we have student loans and we really want these student loans. <laughs> like, oh, <man. laughs> we got them broke. Yo. <laughs> Fair enough. That, 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 that excellent point. Was there anything else that happened that first night? That was the night where her and Bernie basically stood back to back on the stage and had to fight off the other eight, um, um, you know, um, you know, centrist, uh, Dems. Uh, well, you know, Bernie, Bernie had to talk some smack to Tim Ryan because Tim Ryan was trying to, oh, uh, 
Let's play a clip. Criticism. I forgot about that. That's a great clip. You're right. So Bernie's trying to explain his health care plan. Tim Ryan is, is, is interrupting. Grown folks are talking. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bernie has to handle it um, <laughs> old man style. Medicare for all is comprehensive. It covers all health care needs for senior citizens. It will finally include dental care, hearing aids, and eyeglasses. But you don't know Second that. of all, you don't know that, second Bernie. of all, we'll come I, second I do know when I wrote the damn bill. <laughs> the sound of poll numbers dropping, the, the facial expressions on these people's faces when they get burned is hilarious to me. So one of the things I liked about that, and one of the things I liked about Bernie and Warren in general um, that night, was that you could really see that they had thought about health care more than all the other eight people right. and the four moderators and the people combined, all right? They have thought through this shit. You might not like it. You might not agree with it. But they have thought through this at a deep, deep level that these other candidates simply can't get to. These other candidates are kind of making it up as they go along, right? Because mm -hmm. for so long, something like Medicare for All was not even possibly on the table, right? This is a party that it took them, it took, you know, real horse wrangling. It took, really, it took Nancy Pelosi just putting people in headlocks to get them to vote for Obamacare. Which is a Republican plan. Right. Obamacare is of a Republican way of dealing with universal health care. And and Pelosi had to put people in headlocks to get them there, right? So when when Biden sorry, when Bernie and, and Warren come off the top rope on these people, it's because <laughs> they have thought through what it would take to get an actual single-payer universal system at a much deeper level than all of these other people. And that's what Bernie was trying to explain to the poor man. Like, all Bernie was trying to explain is that, you know, Ryan was trying to, to argue what Bernie's plan did, which is fucking dumb. Like, I'm not going to fucking argue with GM about what my Cadillac does. You built a fucking car. I'm not going to argue. I'm be like, oh, so that's how the seats work. Thank you, sir. I'm but remember, you might, if it had been set up like that interview, because remember, the entire first night of the CNN was, 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 was the CNN moderator pulling out two of the centrists and saying, okay, tell us why you think Warren's plan for this is stupid. Yeah, no, the first, the first night was a fucking ambush, right? Like the first night <laughs> will not work and why it will kill us all in six months. First night was CNN trying to, hoping that Bernie and Warren would fight. And then as soon as they realized that wasn't going to happen, right. they just wanted everybody else to fight Bernie and Warren, not understanding, again, that these people are fucking Jedis, and, 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 and the rest of them are coming up, I'm like, fucking Raiders. Like, that, that wasn't going to ever work, right? So it'll be more interesting when a, a, a centrist or a center-left candidate who has thought through her plans comes up against them. So, like, Bernie and Warren versus Harris is the title fight, right? Because, as I was saying before, Harris has also thought through her shit. Right. It is not as left as Bernie and Warren stuff, but it is every bit as thought through. So, like, that fight will be interesting to me. Um, this, this, this was just like, this was just Bernie and, uh, last night was just Bernie and, and Warren sharpening the Ginsu knives for the main event. Well, see, and I, and I'll say this, 
I always think whenever we have these two part uh, Democratic presidential debates, it always seems like Bernie and Elizabeth Warren are always getting disrespected because they never seem to be able to get to the big kids table to really <laughs> argue policy with the people who matter. Like <laughs> they're arguing with the newcomers or folks who nobody knows who these folks are. And, um, and, and I think it's natural that they're just going to progress. I'm waiting to see a debate stage that is going to have them on the same panel with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I think they are worthy of that kind of attention, but maybe this is all part of the weed out. You know, CNN has a history of making presidents by uh, setting things up in a certain way so that that president continuously appears in your newsfeed. Well, and then that might, that might be possible. So we went to the second night and like, now Ellie, if you call the first night, the, 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 the you know, white night, what, what would you call the second night? <laughs> So the second the second night was the uh the escape from New York night, right? You got you got all the different <laughs> gangs in, in there all fighting to get out of the prison. Like that. Well, that I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know what you Harris playing Snake's Pilskin, right? Like just like, everybody was coming for Harris that night. Well and well, well and, and, and well we, I guess you know certainly we're gonna play the clip where 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 your favorite candidate, Tulsi uh Gabbard, uh came after Harris. <laughs> but Tulsi kinda came after Harris after a night of Biden ass whooping. <laughs> <laughs> like Biden need to start coming to the debates wearing headgear and <laughs> yeah, they're slapping him in the head. Oh when when Kristen Gillibrand is punching you in in the face. Right? <laughs> what, what I couldn't stand was how desperate the CNN people and quite frankly some of the MSNBC people just tried to prop Joe Biden up after the fact, right? Right. Like, oh, right. Right. It's like, well, he did better than before. Well, <laughs> he weathered the storm. Well, I mean, like he he took some hits, but he he's like a good reliable truck. He just keeps. <laughs> Fuck, he got beat about the face and neck again. I agree. This time he didn't fall over. This time he didn't, like, drool from his nose. But, like, otherwise, that was not a strong presidential debate performance, especially when you consider the person he's going going up against does nothing but hit people in the balls with a club. And the thing is, Joe was supposed to, you know, challenge him to an arm wrestling thing or, you know, rock, paper, scissors or something. Um, and, and I don't see that happening because if Kristen Gillibrand whoops your ass, um, you're not going to be able to stand with Trump. He doesn't have the, he doesn't have the one-liners. He doesn't have the quickness. He doesn't have the, he doesn't have the, he doesn't have anything that makes him, that makes me think that this is the man who can stand up on a stage and take it to Trump. And that's fine because you can make an argument that we don't need somebody to like go down and fight Trump at his level. But the whole point of Biden's campaign, I've been told, here's a fighter who can go down at like, well, fuck you if that's your fight. Like, like if, if this is all you've got, then that's not going to be enough. That's not going to get it done, bro. Well, but, he's a white, but he's a white man. <laughs> There's insulation in his vote. There are people that I saw that I could stay above the fray. Like, I think if you put, like, a Pete Buttigieg up against Trump, and Buttigieg is, I mean, he's a bit young, but his seeming ability to kind of stay above it, to, to, to keep his eyes on the prize. Cory Booker, 
um, another one who kind of seems to be able to not not get his hands dirty, but right. certainly like keep his chin up and keep looking towards the horizon. Like th- those are candidates you want, right? Whereas if you want a fighter, you've seen Harris with her prosecutorial aspect. You've seen Bernie with his just straight up, I'm going to scream you <laughs> down, right? You've seen Warren with her policy wonkiness. Like those are fighters for Trump. So like, which one is Biden? Because he's not keeping his eyes on the horizon, and he's not getting down into the tar pits. So, like, what, what, what are you, what are you giving me, Joe? Nothing. And here's oh, wow. what I have hope for: is Booker is. Have you noticed he he, he started out really really light skinned and now he's going. <laughs> I think he's going to be, um, you know, Wesley Snipes, uh, black by <laughs> Let me show you this clip. He's starting to use blackerisms. Listen to listen to him here. Why did you announce in the first day a zero tolerance policy of stop and frisk and hire Rudy Giuliani's guy in 2007 when I was trying to get rid of the crack cocaine? Um, Mr. Vice President, there's a thing in my community. You're dipping into the Kool-Aid and you don't even know the flavor. Uh, you need to you need to come to the. <laughs> you didn't answer the question. No, no, of course not. You didn't have a good answer. But, but the point is, that's what you do. All right? You know, he was this close to, I, I wish a motherfucker would. You know? I, I, I believe that there needs to be some kind of really good academic book written about Cory Booker and the code switch. Um, because he, he, is, he is kind of a Rorschach test for code switching. Mm-hmm. Because he does it poorly. <laughs> right. And yeah, he just said it right. We, as we say in the hood, right. As we say in my gated community, right. I agree. I agree. He, he kind of got the Kool Aid thing wrong, but he also did mention the Kool Aid, and that was. <laughs> and you know, as a as a kind of per, as a type of black person who kind of is more culturally similar to Cory Booker than a lot of other kind of uh, national black candidates, right. Was just, Man, I don't even remember that one. I would have said something about Sam Pellegrino. So there you go. <laughs> I got the bougie. I got some bougie in me. It's like so. There's, but like it's so interesting to me because like he obviously needs to code switch in order to shore up his support right. um, among the black community. As we were talking about earlier, he has to also introduce himself to the black community, and he thinks that this code switching kind of is the way to do it. But he's so fucking bad at it. <laughs> Obama, who really didn't do it a lot. Like, one of Obama's, like, tricks, right, was that he let Michelle do the code switch. Okay, like, right, he, right. Like, he, he let Michelle shore up those bona fides. And he didn't do it very often. But when he did it, when Obama starts singing Amazing Grace at AME Emanuel, like, when he did that shit, he right. did it perfectly, right? He did it perfectly. Um, Booker's kind of the opposite, where he does it more, but worse. And I just don't know if that's going to be effective. But it's interesting to me, like this, as a person who code switches poorly, right. um, therefore doesn't do it often, um, I, I, I respect the struggle that Cory Booker goes through <laughs> to figure out how to do this right. Cory is new to black. All right, give him a little time. <laughs> it's a probationary period. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely black. He's definitely black enough. He definitely, like, 
he has been in the community. He he understands he understands the community. He 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 he's culturally he is he's not just black by skin color. He is obviously culturally black, but he has been educated in this in in that way that again like myself that that has that that just makes it it just makes it hard in a way that it's not for 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 Harris and has also been you know highly educated whatever um but Harris Harris can walk Harris I have seen Kamala Harris I'm sure you guys have seen the clip too of her walking down the escalator in South Carolina behind a goddamn drum line right like that's how which <laughs> oh like Kamala Harris is AKA for life and he right. and Booker don't got that so it's just <laughs> <laughs> no, but here's the thing, but you're right. I mean, there's definitely, you know, intonation and whatever. And, and you can tell that there's also kind of a, a swag, like you said, that, that, that Harris has, where it looks like Harris might, not necessarily sure, but she might have a razor blade in her bra. She might. <laughs> and we know Corey does not have <laughs> a pistol anywhere on him. All right. We know, no one would frisk, even at airport security, let Corey just go right through. All right, so we I, I get that there's you know a, a difference there, um in you know in in in, in, in black swag I guess. Um, but he saw coffee, but Kamala saw coffee in her dorm room, while Corey saw coffee in his African American film studies class. Right, like there's <laughs> a little bit of a difference there. <laughs> but, but what I like about Corey though is, and I've, I've been that way before. It's like, you know what, because he at least is trying, one of the few candidates who is trying to get some back votes. Yep. I, 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 right. I, right, and I'm like, get try. All right, you don't even be good at it. You can lie to me, tell me stuff, you know, promise me, you know, uh, you know, a 40 ounce under every tree. I don't care. <laughs> at least pretend like at all, right? <laughs> I totally agree with you. Uh, I, we we have candidates out here straight up saying, "I'm not asking for your vote." Well, thank you, right? You ask, right? <laughs> Corey is at least asking nicely. So thank you. I, I absolutely agree with you. And again, what I'm saying about him, I'm not trying to denigrate him with this. I am I am trying to acknowledge that it's actually very difficult, and we we are so used to African American candidates that rise to his level. Being able to do it seamlessly, we're used we're used to people like Kamala Harris, we're used to people like Barack Obama, we're used to people like Al Sharpton, we're used to people um, who can who can really just boom boom um, and do it as if without that gear shift, right? Corey, you see the gear shift, and it's it's a struggle, and I and I appreciate his kind of continued efforts. (laughs) I'll tell you the the funniest thing I, I thought about this clip is you notice that Joe Biden is trying to question Cory Booker, and he says the crack cocaine, when he was trying to change the crack cocaine sentencing guidelines. And I'm thinking to myself, Joe, that's your, that's your, isn't that your 94 crime? Why are you trying to make it neutral now? Why is it the guidelines? That question should have been like, Corey, why did you hire Rudy Giuliani when I was trying to undo the horrible work that I already done? (laughs) (laughs) That was actually the question. 
it's a fucking I, problem for for Biden. Yeah, you think about Biden, and you know, I, I might get to the point where you know I'm, I've got to roll with him, and it's, you know, if maybe he has the, the the Obama, you know, a little bit of I will be the word for Obama cred in his corner. You know, I'm, I'm gonna have to roll with Joe, but it, it's so hard. Because I, I don't know how to say this, but you said that um, Elizabeth Warren was smarter. Uh, let's be honest, Joe is dumber. <laughs> he, he, and, he, and, I mean, and I don't just mean gaffes. Like this is not a guy. Like you said, that question. That question just opens him up for more ass whooping. <laughs> If he threw a very lazy right, you know, <laughs> left hook, and uh, you know, right is coming back at him. And he like you know, it's it's surprised about it. The only thing I will give him credit for is he didn't cry. <laughs> hey, look, we have to remember, and I've said this a lot. Like, this is a man whose main experience is losing presidential elections. Like, he is he is he is lost. He has never finished above fourth in Iowa, despite trying two or three times. Um, he always comes in. He is one of those people who has run for multiple for president multiple times and always starts off the race polling higher than he ends up. And he is bad at doing this. He might be a very good president. I don't know. I don't think we'll ever know because he is so bad at asking to be president that I don't think we're ever going to find out. Um, and this is we're just seeing it again and again and again. This is why, like, as much as like. People are saying, like, well, he's got this big lead. What are you going to do? I mean, Jeb Bush had a big lead at some point. Like, Biden has squandered leads before. Um, And I just, I will not, we were talking earlier about how people didn't come around to Obama until he won Iowa. Like, I will not believe that Biden is a serious threat until he actually wins a primary, something he has never done before. Wow. Okay. They're, they're just he's he's not good at this, and we see it. We're seeing it. <laughs> he's not good at this. Um, that 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 for a poor politician. Um, that he's not good at the running for the office part. Hey, look. In fairness, uh, same problem that Hillary Clinton had. She was she's she's a notoriously bad campaigner, um, and it showed in 2016. I I, I think it's unlikely um, that Democrats will nominate a bad campaigner this time around, to go up against Donald Trump. Hopefully not. We don't fall for this sort of, um, you know, it's his time, right, which seems to be a big thing, and Republicans do that all the time, right, where you, it's your time. Look, sometimes I say these things out loud because I'm so scared. I just want I just want them to be true so badly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know you do. Let's get to, 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 to Tulsi because we got to talk about, um, you know, uh, Kamala and how she deals with the issues that are brought up here by, by Tulsi. Senator Harris, you have also been quite critical of Vice President Vice. All right, so she yelled at Joe here for a while. Everybody did. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, at least she didn't, you know, have one of her zingers of, you know, that little black girl was me that Joe right. <laughs> in the crime bill. But here is, an, and, and 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 maybe after after one of you can explain to me, is Tulsi's strategy? Is she trying to just uh, come in seventh? Vice President Biden at the last debate, you called it a quote false accusation that Joe Biden is a racist. What's your response? I want to bring the conversation back to the broken criminal justice system 
that is disproportionately negatively impacting black and brown people all across this country today. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash you, bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. Thank you, Congresswoman. Uh, Senator Harris, your response. Ow. I, I, I don't have a lot of. OK, so here's the thing. We. We will talk about Harris's criminal justice record in a second. But before we get there, we need to understand that Tulsi Gabbard is a fucking problem, right? She, she is trying to, trying to explore, trying, she is trying to make herself big by coming at Harris on an issue that she herself, Gabbard, has no credibility to talk about. None. I have read Tulsi Gabbard's criminal justice reform plan. It is basically one paragraph. It says that she's going to legalize marijuana and and cash bail and end the private prison system. For a modern Democrat running for president, that's like saying, I like puppies and grandma. (laughs) (laughs) That is is bullshit. We're all there already, okay? (laughs) We're already there. Um, Kamala's plan Includes all three of those things because that's what all plans include. Right. But it also includes real depth in terms of reforming the criminal justice system, reforming the police system, enforcing consent decrees, um, looking at police brutality in all of its forms, using the Department of Justice to investigate state and local instances of police brutality and violence. Her plan is so much deeper and more contoured than what Tulsi freaking Gabbard has, that I am offended that <laughs> if we're going to have this conversation about Harris's record, it is in any way associated on the backs of Gabbard. And you'll notice that I have done that whole thing without mentioning the fact that she's a homophobe and she's supported and she can't even bring herself to going out against Assad uh, from Syria, who's a fucking yeah. right? So like, yeah, up out my face with this particular issue. Now, now you left out the fact that she is kind of cute. <laughs> is that not the, 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 I'm the only one that was that, huh? All right, all right. Now, now, that being said, and I agree, you know, she's not, she's certainly not the right critic for this. She's not even in the right party. I mean, let's be honest, all right, she is the, you know, the Breitbart plant. We, we get that. But the question I have is not even that what she said about uh, uh, Kamala is, is factual, but the fact that this is a really, really big issue, you know, for, 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 for black people, cop sucking is not exactly in season. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is a, this is, this is a, this is an issue that Harris needs better answers on. Um, would it help if she started running around with a fuck the police t-shirt? <laughs> I think it was <laughs> if she started running around with her campaign manager and sister, Maya Harris, a little bit more. Um, okay. <laughs> Maya Harris is the former head of the California ACLU, 
Maya right. Harris has done this work. Maya Harris is realer than I can be on my most real day. All right. I, I would, I would, I am, I would love to be voting for Maya Harris for attorney general or position like that, right? And I think that if, in the same way that Joe Biden tries to wrap himself in Barack Obama's skin, if Harris, uh, if Kamala Harris just did a little bit more of wrapping herself up in Maya Harris's record, I think that would do a lot for her. Instead, Harris is a very proud woman, and she's very proud of what she's done in her own right. If you if you've read her some of her personal history, some of her personal biography, um, we know that it was a big thing in her family. She comes from a criminal justice reform family. It was a big thing for her to go to the prosecutor's office. Um, that was unpopular in her own family. Mm. Um, clearly, um, she is proud of that work. Thinks that she did a good job. Thinks that she did the best that she could within the system as it was set up thinks that she was a voice in the room where it happens. Okay. Change and reform. And uh, she's not running away from that record. Um, that that's uh, that's causing her problems. I think they're I think I think some of those problems are legitimate. I think some of those problems are illegitimate, but it's causing her problems that she's gonna have to have a much stronger um, answer eventually um, to this issue. However, this is key because we've already dismissed Tulsi Gabbard as the right messenger. Right. Who is? Right. I mean, if you really look at it, who on that stage really has a record that is superior to Harris's on okay. this particular issue that can come at her from her left and really make the point stick? Not Bernie, <laughs> not Warren, not Biden, not Castro. Booker could... But Booker hasn't yet. Booker, right. hasn't, uh, Booker is the only one that I... Not fucking Pete Buttigieg, not Beto O'Rourke. Booker is the only person who has a record as a mayor, who has a record as a, as a that that is better than... Booker's record as a mayor is better than Harris's record as a prosecutor. Booker's record as a senator is just as good as Harris's record right. as a senator. And Booker's next step criminal justice reform plan... I believe is a better, more comprehensive plan than Harris's criminal justice reform plan. If Booker wants this fight, Booker's the one who can have this fight. The rest of them, at least so far, have absolutely no credibility to bring this to Harris because they haven't done shit either. And I agree. Now, the one guy who probably could, but he's not really in the running, you know, such a third tier candidate. Is it Bennett, the, um, the former, um, um, mayor or sorry, former governor, was it Colorado? Maybe it's Washington. One of these states actually put in like, you know, like a, like kind of like real, like 21st century reforms. I believe the random white guy you're talking about is Bennett. Yeah, I think that's right. Considering <laughs> <laughs> that none of us can remember his damn name. All right. <laughs> that's probably not going to work well for him. Um, you know, I asked people recently, you know, if you were to, after these two, you know, a series of debates, give your final four. Um, who would they be for if the only four candidates could go forward? Who are the only four you need to hear from from now on? Well, I'm an unpaid uh, analyst that generally stands outside of MSNBC's studio and begs to be loud on television. <laughs> it's not great for me to, you know, get. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to answer that question all that much. Um, 
obviously, I think in terms of uh, uh, my personal political views, um, I believe that Warren and Sanders have have done well explaining things that I believe in. Okay. I think Harris has done well explaining some things I believe in and explaining exactly how she intends to take on Donald Trump. Um, and I think Booker over the last two weeks, including everything that's happened since the debates uh, with the shootings and whatever, mm-hmm. I think Booker has put himself in a position that if we want a person who is going to attack the racism of this president kind of head on, um, Booker is definitely putting himself in the running. So I picked those four, not because those are necessarily the four that I'm going to vote for or blah, 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 um, or that I'm not looking at other candidates as well. But those four are doing four, I think, distinct, specific, useful things. So whatever happens going forward, like, they still need to be in the consideration. Hey, hey Jesse, what will be your four? All right, so here we go. I, this is going to sound harsh. I think I'm done with Bernie. I think he's out. <laughs> I think I don't need Bernie if I have Elizabeth Warren. So Elizabeth Warren is my top right now. Um, I think uh, Kamala Harris, I want to love her. I want to love her. But, you know, I don't, and I don't think that she has gotten caught up in anything that no other prosecutor's office wouldn't have way worse dirt for. So okay. I, I, I want to love her. I think if she could just give me some form of acknowledgement um, in, in a public forum, and kind of work from there. I would feel a little bit more confident, but I want her there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm just a fan of Julian Castro. I think he was the dark horse that nobody really expected. Right. And it sounds like the stuff he says is makes a lot of sense to me. I like his policy. And then finally, you know, this is going to be a surprise to you, Sean. Um, Cory Booker. Um, <laughs> I didn't think Cory Booker would be in my top four, but uh, the more I hear him and the more I see him, I, I, the more I am impressed. I think I maybe he just needed some time to get acclimated to uh, the debate stage and, and understanding the gravity of what it is that he's trying to do. But I think he's rising to the occasion. He's the only person, I think, who has exhibited growth in each one of these debates. Running for president is hard, and it's a skill. And like I said earlier, it's a skill that a person like Biden clearly doesn't have. And so you want to give these candidates a little time, a little opportunity and a little breathing room to to get with the program. And I think you're absolutely right, Jesse, that Booker has just, he has shown a learning curve um, that is interesting and, and impressive. Now, if I had to give my four, and you know, I, I, Jesse and I, we spent too much time together because we agree on the fact that I don't think you need Bernie and Warren. Right. <laughs> and I, I think Warren is, is the more attractive of the two. Um, and so I, I get rid of Bernie. Um, as far as, um, Booker, I, I agree. I, I think we've got to have Booker. Um, I'm gonna, 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 gonna blow your mind, um, with this third pick, Biden. As you bad as he is. So bad. I know, but, 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 but my mama does not like her meat. Well, do a medium rare. <laughs> and I am still not convinced that, that, that he couldn't possibly, you know, get Obama to come out and maybe do a viral video. They can, you know, do Gangnam Style or whatever it was, um, that could, I think, you know, get him over the hump. Um, with, with, with black folks. And so I, you know, until I, you know, until more black people have, have gone away from Biden, I, I gotta keep him in because the, the key is to get my ashy black ass to the poll, right? 
Right. And then the, the fourth pick um, is going to have to be, um, uh, and this is tough because if it's, because I like Castro too, but it's got to be uh, Kamala. And this is a personal thing. It can't be Castro because he's another Harvard law grad. And I am so sick of trying to live down these Harvard law grads. Um, <laughs> I can't have one more person ask me, uh, did you take the wrong classes, baby? I, I can't do it. All right. So <laughs> you have to go to state school from now on or something, but I, I can't deal with another Harvard person. Um, it, it's been, it's been rough for me. Can I, can I push you a little bit on Biden? Can I, can I, uh, let me ask the question this way. If Al Sharpton ran for president again, mm-hmm. Al Sharpton had all of the support amongst the older black community. And Al Sharpton was as terrible as <laughs> Biden has been for his first two debates and generally over the course of his campaign. If right. Al Sharpton was up there on stage getting his teeth handed to him by Kamala Harris and then Cory Booker and then right. Kristen Gillibrand. Would you be still sitting here talking about Al Sharpton's in your top four? Of course not. And here's why. You did you forget that Biden was a white man? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have to be good. He just has to be white, and, <laughs> and, and somehow not as terrible as as, as as the other guy. Now I agree with you, Michael. No, I, need you I needed you to say that. I just this is what I need from people who are who are still in the Biden camp at any level. You you just need. To admit to me that a big reason is because he's white. Because oh, it's all of it. It's all of it. <laughs> have to right? We just have to tell truth about that. Right. No, no. There is, there is, there is no doubt about it. Um, if he even had a more believable tan, I wouldn't go for him. Um, I, I, <laughs> I think someone whiter. Um, and, 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 and if, if I could get uh, that Patrick Kennedy boy, the redhead, I'd get him first. Whatever goes wrong, it is you know the the, the number one uh, you know selling point for a lot of people, and so I'm not willing to let it go yet. Now I agree with you; I think he will lose if he goes up against Trump. Um, so hopefully, hopefully, either um, you know. Someone else will take, you know, will, will convince my mother that, you know, and I couldn't believe that, that, that Kamala wasn't it. And like you said, maybe with time, I think she needs to see white people vote for her before she can really move on, get on board. Yeah, I think, I think that, I, look, if, 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 if Kamala finishes in the top three in Iowa and the top three in New Hampshire, she's gonna, she's gonna whoop in South, she's gonna whoop people in South Carolina. Yeah, agreed. Uh, but if she finishes outside the top three in those two states, and then doesn't win South Carolina, she could lose California. I mean, like, it, it's, it's, she's in a position where it could really, kind of from a political science perspective, she's in a position where can, she can still go very much either way. But I mean, it's still so, it's, like, we just also have to remember, it's so fucking early. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it is, it is very early, but how do you see this in your, you know, crystal ball going as far as do you see this going down to the wire where, you know, you've got one candidate with six states and another with seven and four, or do you see sort of someone getting the early lead and just running the table? The worst thing I can say about Bernie Sanders is that he's never going to leave. He's, he's going to, Bernie Sanders is going to be in this until the convention. If he doesn't win a state, he's going to be. <laughs> Um, Biden has the kind of money to do that, but I don't know if he has the kind of will to do that. Oh, he won't do that. Right? So I think if he gets trounced early, he'll be gone and his money will go up someplace else. 
but Bernie's going to be in here to the bitter goddamn end. Um, mm. So if he isn't winning, um, but still kind of second, third, and various places, like it could, it at, at, that alone would shift up the electorate so that you don't have a comp candidate running away with it, right? You've got winning some states and maybe a Warren or a Biden winning other states and yeah, it's just, it could get very ugly and complicated. I am not worried overall because I think we're all so rightfully scarred by 2016 that right. I think the pressure for us all to get on board with the nominee once we have a nominee okay. will be so intense that a lot of these like early seeming like death matches um, will not seem as important. You know, if, if Kamala's the nominee, Biden's going to wrap her hand or his hand around her, sniff her hair, grab her by the shoulder, <laughs> all the way up and down the Biden's gonna be there, um, um, if she's, the, she's the nominee. So I, I, I'm not as worried about the fighting as some other Democrats are, because I just think that Again, I just think, again, we're not that stupid. We're not going to make the same mistakes as the past. No, and I haven't found any candidate. Like, can you think of, except for maybe Tulsi, and she's obviously not getting a nomination. Um, can you think of any candidate, any of them that you just could not support? I'm, uh... Biden. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, 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 I'm trying to honestly think of, like, is there is there a Democratic candidate that I would... Okay. I would vote... I'm going to vote for whoever the Democrat nominee is... Period. I think the more interesting question is, is there any Democrat who I would vote for, but not kind of like do everything I can think of to help okay. get elected? Um, no. No. <laughs> is a unique danger to society. Any, including Tulsi, any fucking Democrat is not only better than Trump, but worth every ounce of energy I have to get them elected over Trump. Every single one of them. And we, 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 before we let you go, Aliens, I know it's getting late, but we gotta get the two, I gotta get your idea on the two wild cards in this race that we have not talked about. Um, neither one of us have a, in our fade five, uh, list. Um, but one of them is, is, now I guess I'll st- you'll start with, with Yang. What, what, what is your thoughts on, uh, on the Yang and, and the Yang Yang? I like him. Um, as maybe Treasury Secretary? Um, I like <laughs> Look, he, he's, he's got some, he's, he's an interesting guy with interesting ideas. And if this election was any less serious, you know, I might give him a look. <laughs> it's serious. We cannot fuck around. No, thank you. There, there's, well, that's the thing is, I mean, he has this idea of the guaranteed income, which, by the way, is, you know, Brilliant. I love the I'm math. It, 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 it's fascinating. It is so far removed. We can't even get the metric system. All right, well, we don't here. <laughs> you know, we can't even get to leaders. All right, we are nowhere near guaranteed income, and and and, and it's weird that you sort of see him on the stage because he's trying to explain this in a soundbite, and I'm like, you need your own, you know, four part miniseries. I, I, look, my my again, my my whole thought process here is how to be how do we beat Trump, and therefore how do we turn out black and brown voters, right? And I and I don't see universal basic income as a thing that moves the needle for black and brown voters. Like I just don't. There are too many I mean, despite what the media might tell you, 
too many of us work. Too many of us. <laughs> you know, too many of us are fucking, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul. Like, yeah. we don't need free fucking income. We need fair income. We need fair pay. We need equal pay, not universal fucking pay. Nobody, there, there are very few black people that want to give, you know, a free uh, uh, check to Pookie every month. Who, who just hangs out at the barbershop, comes around trying to sell Tide Pods, and <laughs> give him money. So, so I don't think that Yang's policies, while they are good for low-income people, I do not think that they move black people. And so I, I cut him out. Right, fair enough. Now, what about the, now Marianne Williamson? Yeah, you're about to ask me about the fairy. Well, think about it. That, <laughs> there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing blacker than the forty acres and the mule, right? She, you know, was the one who, who, who you know, who was has been down with, um, you know, with with uh, you know reparations, you know me. Um, so what what do you what? Well, let me ask you this: What office do you think she thinks she's running for? Uh, poet laureate. Okay, fair enough. I I saw on Facebook that Marianne is like the uh the, when when you know, when you know that one black cousin brings home a white girlfriend for Thanksgiving and everybody's like mm, I hate that bitch and then <laughs> at the end of the night like, oh wow Marianne you want to play you want to be my spades partner like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm absolutely convinced she know the third verse of lift every voice and sing none of us neither one of us do so she's not uh, the joker. Um, so, so there is that, but again, this is not this is not an election for 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 fantasies, right? This is this this is a serious issue, and I just don't have a kind of mental energy and time to resurface a candidate who isn't just not going to be president, but also just doesn't have the kind of serious experience necessary to be president. The one I am not usually an experienced voter. I don't I don't value that particularly highly. But one thing I will say about this election is that if we beat Trump, the next president has to come in on day one knowing exactly what he or she is going to do and exactly how he or she is going to do it because they have to unpack and unravel an immense raft of shit. And they'll need to do it very quickly because they might not get eight years, right? Like we, right. this country is is a fickle beast, right? Nikki Haley is sitting there waiting on on a motherfucker for twenty twenty four, but she she is doing. If you look at the Republican Party, Nikki Haley is doing everything right to succeed Trump at some point. So we might not get eight years. We need a president who is going to come in like Trump has for the white people come in and unravel what Trump has done. And so there is a certain level of not necessarily like political experience, but government experience okay. um, and understanding how government works that, that I think is necessary. And it is what, in fact, in this election pushes me towards a Warren, a Harris, um, a Booker, people who have been around government enough to really understand how all the levers of power work. It would push me to a Biden if I thought Biden was going to use those levers correctly. I I just don't think he will. Yeah, I just want to ask about you know this concept of black vote, and I'll and I'll admit uh, I am not the biggest fan of Marianne Williamson, but I do like the fact 
that she is at least bringing some race relations issues and reparations issues to the forefront on the national spotlight. So one of the concerns that I have is it seems like whenever there are issues that are specific to the black community, be it police brutality, uh, criminal justice reform, uh, housing and gentrification uh, and evictions, any, any issues that are specific to us, it always seems like we have to wait until we've gotten a candidate in office before anybody is even going to address it. And I think that perpetuates us never realizing a benefit. And to a point, I think that's kind of what Trump capitalizes on when we don't vote, because people people need a reason to vote. We need a reason to get Sean to the polls. So the point is, if if we I mean, I get concerned when we don't do enough discussion about strictly black issues. I thought in 2016 we were getting there. Because we had Black Lives Matter and we right. had Bernie Sanders coming out and Hillary Clinton had was forced to address some of the police brutality issues that were going on. But it seems like to me in the debates, those questions are omitted or uh, truncated to not really give us the opportunity to see what each one of these candidates really feel about these issues or what policies they want to uh, advance. And I, I guess my fear is I don't want us to get in the situation yet again where we're voting for the popular person that we like, but we get no benefit from it. I agree with you, Jesse, but I, I put the blame not so much on the Democratic field right now, but I put the blame squarely on the moderation, right? Like, mm. moderators matter. CNN matters. As I said before, the first night was set up as an ambush for uh, Sanders and, and and Warren. The second night was basically, you know, and I made this joke on air on, on MSNBC, but it was basically like Jake Tapper sitting there being like, um, Senator Biden, uh, this candidate to your left says that your mama is so <laughs> at the border. Um, what do you say to that about your immigration policy? And like, what right. Biden right? Biden's going to say, well, her mama's so fat, people are trying to walk across her for a time. <laughs> All you got, right? CNN did not do a great job, and quite frankly, MSNBC didn't, didn't necessarily cover, its, cover itself in glory um, during the first round either of asking questions that allowed these candidates to get at issues that are important to not just black voters, but voters in general, right? Um, I think Lawrence O'Donnell, after the CNN debate, made this great point that if the Democratic Party had any fucking leadership tom perez would go to each one of these candidates and be like look y'all what you're not gonna do is this you're not gonna accept the premise of these dumbass questions you're right, not okay. gonna attack each other you're gonna say on message like he would have if we had real leadership with in the terms of the party structure there might be more uh there might be more of ability to get these all these people on stage but right now we're kind of at the mercy of these relatively dumbass questions. So, Jesse, mm-hmm. I agree. We need to have a much deeper discussion about issues like Black Lives Matter, like police brutality, like criminal justice reform, um, um, like the kitchen table issues that, that, that are important to black and brown families, like daycare and childcare and access to universal pre-K. Like, we need to have all those conversations, but we can't have all those conversations if the questions are always, like, dumb and stupid. I do think that we are going to have, you know, like 17 billion of these debates and they won't always involve 20 fucking people. So I think as we move forward, there will at least be an opportunity to 
to get more into these issues. But for now, and I would encourage your listeners to do this, like when I want to know more about one of these candidates, I'm not I'm not watching the debates, right? I'm reading. I I, I said earlier when I was uh, Woo! <laughs> you know, when, I was, when I was dancing on uh, Tulsi Gabbard earlier, right? Like I read her plan. I didn't I didn't you know go online and go on Twitter. Like I actually like sat the fuck down, went to her <laughs> website, and read her criminal justice reform plan. It was short. Doesn't take long. Right, and if I want, when I want to know more about Harris's plans, I go to her website. Like you can read the, some of, the, you can read about some of these issues. Um, if you do not feel like the mainstream news media is bringing these issues to your attention. Okay. No, and, and I and, and, and I agree. It's going to be interesting, you know, g- going forward. Um, and I, I like to find like Elizabeth Warren. I think she might have an ability to simplify. Her issues. We both know that the American people are not going to read a damn plan. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna take a little secret. I have not read a book in ten years, and I'm proud of it. We'll never read another book because I have been there. Damn, not even like Harry Potter. No, and here's here's what happened, brother. About about ten years ago, I got this idea that I should become educated. We've talked about this, you know. The difference is Ellie and I go to the same law school, but we we don't come out with the same experience. Ellie goes to get an education; I go to get credentials. All right. It it turns out you can get both. I didn't know that at the time. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I decided to to ten years ago. I speak for a living. I should have things to say, and I should read the hundred greatest works written in the English language. So I find a website that lists them, and I, you know, War and Peace is the first one that lists them. Like, oh my God, it's a long one. And I go read the Wikipedia entry for War and Peace, and I realize that I have no business reading the book. <laughs> because the Wikipedia people actually have like degrees in Russian literature, they know the symbolism, right, <laughs> and, and what it means when it snows, you know, in in in, in April in, in Moscow. And I was like, you know what? This person read this book way better than I ever could. I read the hundreds greatest works written in the English language on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> And I realized Wikipedia from now on will do all my reading for me. So if they come up with a plan on Wikipedia, I'll read it. Uh, Jesse, yours, buddy. Can you respond to that while I think? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I write and read uh, for a living. But, again, I was the person who got the rejection letter from Harvard. So <laughs> I don't know if I'm qualified. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to do both, right? you gotta you got to read the Wikipedia entry, too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I'm giving you guys shit, but like, I don't read a whole lot. Like, my wife does the reading and tells me what happened. <laughs> I didn't read Game of Thrones. My wife read Game of Thrones and told me what was going to happen. Like, that was. <laughs> you know, and I think the thing is, you know, people, you know, we're funny about reading in the sense that my wife and I have this argument all the time. She's actually a comparative literature major and, and literate. And so she disagrees with me, um, which probably makes me wrong. But what, 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 you know, she'll say is, you know, she belongs to all these reading clubs. And she'll come to me and be like, I don't get how these people do it. This person has read 38 books this year so far. And I'm always like, this is dumb. Like, nobody ever brags about the number of Netflix shows they were able to binge in a week. <laughs> but if you're reading just fiction and your heart and romance, I'm like, why would it be any better to read 38 of them than to watch, you know, 38 porn tube videos? Like, what would be the difference? I, I am not the guy to defend fiction reading, quite frankly. Although I do, <laughs> apparently more to you, 
I'm not that, that's not my main that's not my main jam. But I win reading uh, uh, some of these plans because um, and it's and it's really it's not even that I'm defending the reading so much is that I'm attacking the media's ability to describe them. Right. Well, like, fair enough. Uh, the like to go back to earlier in the show. By the way, I, I do have to go soon. Um, yeah, you do. Back earlier on the show, like when you were talking about uh, when we played the clip of Bernie Sanders um, saying, I wrote the damn bill. Like one of the things that Sanders was trying to do here is that he has explained extensively in written work how Medicare for all is supposed to work. He has thought through it. He has explained it. And the media is consistently shit at explaining it for him. <laughs> The media doesn't want Medicare for all. Like, you know, mm. corporate media does not want this plan to succeed. So they are not actually good at explaining what the plan is. So so I so I advocate reading our politicians' plans kind of in their original form because it's our only way to counteract the kind of corporate media narrative that we are otherwise, like, all subjected to, right? Fair enough. That's my only That's deep. That's that's actually a deep point. That controversial note that you should read the plans, um, and I think that's probably that's, that's going to be the most uh, shocking thing I think that was said tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Americans should read. I, I'm 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 I'm. I'm let me just say this. Thanks so much, buddy. Um, yes, thank you. you. You, you you've given us your time and talent and, and, and lending us the afro. It was it, it was it was everything uh that the podcast world needed. Uh thank you guys Absolutely. for having me. Um now I must go up and apologize to my wife. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll talk to you soon. All right guys, I gotta go. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. All right, man. Bye. Take it easy. Bye. Well, I just wanna make sure that everybody knows if you haven't already uh, make sure that you subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Facebook at Brothers in Law. That's B-R-U-T-H-A-S-N-L-A-W uh, on all social media or Brothers in Law at Gmail dot com. If you want to send us messages or happen to know somebody who might want to sponsor the show, uh, Hublot, we're still waiting for you. Uh, so um, and, and just so you guys know, we are trying to line up these illustrious special guests to come on and provide you with some insight into what's going on politically and in the world around us. So if you like it, definitely let us know that. Make sure you give us those ratings. We'll pass those along to the guests as well. Uh, thank you for listening as always. And we look forward to, uh, I guess, the next episode. I'm, I'm back from vacation, so we can get back on the schedule now. <laughs> well, no, we're going to get back because we still have to talk about, assuming that we're not all shut up uh, before next weekend. <laughs> right. <laughs> we he talk about the, the the current gun battle and um and and whatever crazy thing Trump says between now and uh and, and next week. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, brother. Be safe. All right, we're gonna we're gonna get out of here. Uh, thanks everybody. Thanks so much for everybody, and uh, we will see you next time. Yeah.